You know, over the last 15 years, usually around this time, we have guest speakers. We've had the late coach Bobby Bowden here. We've had Governor Huckleby here. We've had Dr. Jeffers, my friend from First Baptist Dallas, who I communicate with often. Fed Perry Stone, and fed our pastor emeritus preach here, but I really felt led of the spirit this year to not be off and to bring a word on this day. And so as I introduce this message to you this morning, I first want to tell you what I have to my right, your left. This was gifted to me um, just about a month ago, or I should say Lent. I may have just gave it to myself. Um, but this is the Aitken Bible. Uh, this was the first American Bible, uh, the only Bible ever approved by Congress, the only Bible recommended to all Americans by our government. Uh, it was called the Bible of the American Revolution, and it was lent to me by my friend Robin Smith, who I love and I cherish and who's been working behind the scenes, cleaning and writing curriculum for community groups and even helped me with some of my research for this message. And appreciate your friendship, Robin, and all that you've meant to our city and this church, amen. And now to my dedication, one of our members has been struggling with leukemia and some forms of cancer. He's a veteran, proud veteran. He's traveled with me to preach revivals. I baptized him just some time ago. He enlisted in the United States Army in 1968 and went through his basic training in Fort Gordon, Georgia. He was sent to Vietnam in 1969 where he landed in Da Nang. After orientation, he flew into Wang Tri, close to the DMZ. Mr. Roger Smith was sent to Dong Ho where he went on patrols which included scouting, raids, and ambushes. While patrolling close to the DMZ, Roger and one of his best friends were injured. His buddy stepped on a wire attached to an explosive and was killed instantly. Roger was also injured and sent to the hospital in Okinawa, Japan. He returned home that July in 1971. He served with the Rangers in Vietnam. He has a heart of a servant. He's been very enthusiastic about his family and his church and his pastor. Don't mess with me. He has six children, 16 grandchildren, 13 great-grandchildren, and two more on the way. He's married to the lovely Glenda who serves here every week. He's helped several young men become electricians and learn the trades. And he's just a gentle, strong, gifted man of God, and he's fighting some health battles now. And so I would ask for Roger to stand up and his family that's with him today. And can we honor Roger Smith for his service to our country and his family? Appreciate you so much. Thank you for my for your love for this house and for your love for Jesus and our friendship. Hallelujah. And to all those who served our country, can we hear it one more time? Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. 
You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The title of my sermon this morning is Hope for America. I started preparing this message before the two significant Supreme Court rulings that have made their way to the airwaves as of late. And while I rejoice in the overturning of Roe versus Wade, I would hope that the church would not just stop there. They would make it their mission to help young people and young women make the right decisions and not just be involved in the political process, but in the day-to-day process of helping young people. I'm thankful they ruled in favor of the coach that was fired for leading his team in prayer. I believe the winds of change are at hand in our nation. But as we've shared with you today, I am still thankful to be able to preach from an open Bible this morning. I'm still thankful for the freedom I have to worship Jesus Christ the way I want to in this great land. I'm still thankful for all the men and women of every race and creed that gave their lives for us to walk in the freedom that we have today. And even though we've had two significant Supreme Court rulings in our nation, I believe America is still in a very dark place. But I have hope for the United States of America. I believe this nation and other nations in accordance with the book of Revelation will experience one more great awakening before Jesus comes back. And it's not that we're sitting around waiting on him. Maybe Jesus is waiting on the church to do what he called us to do instead of us fighting with one another all the time and bickering on social media. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus is calling us as individuals to be the church, to love people the way he loves them and to serve people the way he served them. I believe that the Christian church across the globe will reign victorious one more time. Can I get an amen? I cannot believe where we have gotten to in a nation where parents are encouraging their teenage children to go through castration and change their gender. I never would have thought that that would be considered revolutionary rather than insane. I didn't know which way was up at 13 years old. Who wants to make a life altering decision as a teenager? I didn't know what in the world was going on as a teenager. And people are wanting to change their gender and they're being encouraged to do so. We talk about the public school system all the time and we create programs and we create clubs and we create cliques when really what we need is a father and mother in the home with an open Bible and a school that's allowed to discipline and allowed to teach the word of God. We've made a mockery out of marriage in this country and no, I'm not gonna talk about homosexual marriage because you know what, Christians, our divorce rate's higher than theirs. And we don't need to, oh, it got quiet. We don't need to lecture anybody else till we start living the way God's called us to live as Judeo-Christian people. 
we've made a mockery out of the things of God, but there's still hope if we'll cling to the Bible, if we'll cling to the Spirit of God, if we'll walk as Jesus told us to walk in the last days, I believe we'll see one more end time revival. But I wanna remind you that this country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. It's been said by politicians that America is not a Christian nation. I've done some research with the help of some friends and some scholars leading up to this message, and I'm here to tell you I wasn't always sure, but after my study, I'm 100% sure that our founding fathers believed in God and encouraged others to believe in Christ. Listen to what Supreme Court Justice David Brewer, who served from 1837 to 1910, explained. In what sense can America be called a Christian nation? Not in the sense that Christianity is the established religion or that the people are in any manner compelled to support it. On the contrary, the Constitution specifically provides that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Neither is it Christian in the sense that all its citizens are either in fact or named Christians. On the contrary, all religions have free scope within our borders. Numbers of our people profess other religions and many reject all. Nor is it Christian in the sense that a profession of Christianity is a condition of holding office or otherwise engaging in public service or essential to recognition either politically or socially. In fact, the government as a legal organization is independent of all religions. Nevertheless, everybody say nevertheless. <laughs> we constantly speak of this republic as a Christian nation. In fact, as the leading Christian nation of the world. General principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. John Adams. The teaching of the Bible are so interwoven and entwined with our whole civic and social life that it would be literally impossible for us to figure to ourselves what that life would be if these teachings were removed. Teddy Roosevelt. America was born a Christian nation. America was born to exemplify that devotion to the elements of righteousness which are derived from the revelations of Holy Scripture. Woodrow Wilson. American life is builded and can alone survive upon the fundamental philosophy announced by the Savior 19 centuries ago, Herbert Hoover. This is a Christian nation, cussing Harry Truman. Let us remember that as a Christian nation, we have a charge and a destiny. President Nixon. There are many additional examples I could give to you this morning including even that of Thomas Jefferson. He established weekly Sunday worship services at the U.S. Capitol. He regularly attended these services. Why was he so faithful? 
he once explained to a friend while they were walking to church together, no nation has ever existed or been governed without religion, nor can be. The Christian religion is the best religion that has been given to man and I. As chief magistrate of this nation, am bound to give it the sanction of my example. And there are many more. President Abraham Lincoln affirmed our national day of prayer. So many other things that our country did right at the beginning. Yes, America has made some tragic mistakes and committed some horrific sins against the Native Americans, the African Americans, and other people. But because of the foundation, we were able to repent of those sins and grow together through the Word of God according to the will of God and by the Spirit of God. Nothing ever begins perfect. You didn't and I didn't. The Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Creation means progressive change. I'm not as bad as I used to be, but I'm not as good as I'm going to be. And that was the process of America. The good news is that we still have our freedom. We still have purpose and we still are to be that city set on a hill. So I believe there's hope for America. And frankly, I don't see the hate and vitriol in the community that I see on the television and on the internet. I don't see it between the races in my personal life. I can remember I coached and ran a little league for 11 years and I can remember, and Kelly will remember this, one of the first teams I coached, and I ended up coaching about 49, 50 teams, I had a, a young Jewish boy on my team. I didn't know he was Jewish, didn't know his parents. And at the end of every practice, I would pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I would occasionally present the gospel, not every practice, I'm not trying to oversell here, but I did pray every practice and every game, and I did present the gospel a few times a year. And I remember one time, the father of the young Jewish boy was upset with me and did not want his son praying in Jesus' name. We met, we discussed it, I was gracious, I apologized, I gave him the freedom not to participate if he didn't want to participate. Let me tell you a funny about Kelly too. She didn't know they were Jewish and invited them to a hot dog trunk or treat supper. I said, Kelly, they're Jewish, they don't eat hot dogs. Long story short, we became great friends. Went on vacation together. Still communicate to this day. Because we're willing to talk to one another and not hate one another and find some common ground. And what I see when I look at my sons is I don't see racism, I don't see hate, and in my grown son, I see a willingness to listen to both sides of the political aisles and make his own decisions. And I believe that's what you see. And so I agree with Pastor Brad that perhaps we need to turn off the TV. Perhaps we need to stop bickering on social media and start trying to change hearts rather than mine with the only tool that will change the heart 
And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the Lord took me to Ezekiel chapter 37. I want to give you three things. That, and I believe if we'll do these things, we will have a renewed hope in our land. We will see revival in our land. And we will experience one more great awakening before Jesus comes back for his church. Beginning with verse 1, chapter 37, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord. Everybody say, the Spirit of the Lord. Baptists say it louder, Spirit of the Lord. Because Baptists need it more than others. Amen. I am one, so I can say that. Hallelujah. And set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. Everybody say dry. You know, dry always represents depression, defeat, slavery, bondage, and open to theft in the word of God. The Bible says the devil loves dry places and roams around in dry places. Beware of dryness because when you operate in dryness and when you don't have the fresh filling, the water of the Spirit of God on your life, you are open for attack from the enemy. We need to be thirsty for the Spirit of God if we're going to outlive and outlast the attacks of the enemy. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. Everybody say, you shall live. Says, I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones begin to come together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. A body is nothing but bones if it doesn't have the breath of God in it. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus saith the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood up on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Ezekiel was 30 years old. In modern day Iraq, it was called Babylon. He'd been exiled there with over 10,000 Judeans. He was called as a youngster to be in the priesthood under the line of Aaron, but he was exiled to Babylon where he was a slave. And as he was there, in this dry place, God's process 
still came to pass. <laughs> can I tell you this morning, whether you're exiled, you can be in jail, you can be in a palace, you can be in a prison, God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Nothing can stop God's hand and his plan for your life unless you stop it. So the process took place and at 30 years of age, he's in Babylon near the river of Chamar and he, and he gets this vision from God. And we know the vision is for Israel, but we can apply these principles to our land because I believe the recipe for revival and a resurrection and a rattling is the same yesterday as it is today and it'll be the same tomorrow. The process for resurrection has never changed. And when you need a move of God in your house, on your land, in your nation, in your church, in your body, it's the same process as it was for Ezekiel thousands of years ago. We have to follow the same steps and those steps will not be made manifest without the spirit of the living God. The name Ezekiel means God is righteous. He had an incredible task of prophesying to a nation that had been destroyed, stolen from, and they were in complete disarray. And at 30 years old, he has to speak life into that which is dead. God put a burden on his heart and a word in his mouth. Prophecy is a twofold responsibility. And I want you to be aware of some of these so-called prophets going around pretending to be something they are not. Let me say this, prophets don't miss. Let me say this for you guys over here. <laughs> prophets don't miss. Speaking on behalf of the Lord you must get it right. If you say, thus saith the Lord, it better not be, thus saith my flesh. And we have a lot of people going around with titles, never done anything, never predicted anything, aren't doing anything, they just want a title. We got apostle this and prophet that and bishop this and pastor this and I'm for all those titles, I have a few. But when is the last time we tested those spirits? Some of y'all have believed every doggone conspiracy that's out there. And you're listening to these things from people with an orphan spirit who are trying to get followers and you are paying their bills. And they're probably sitting in their underwear on the couch doing nothing. Get in the word of God. Be led by the spirit of God. Get you a word and stand on it. Prophecy is a twofold responsibility. The first is you have to be responsible. We are responsible to expose demonic activity, to warn people of impending danger and to call out deception. But here's the other thing, remedy. It's responsibility and it's remedy. A prophet doesn't only call out evil and expose evil. A, a godly prophet is supposed to give a remedy. Some people just bad news all the time. 
We need some, I need some prophets to not just call things out. I need some prophets that are going to help heal a land and not just expose everything without doing anything. So the Spirit transports this 30-year-old priest, puts this prophetic edge on him, and he stands up in boldness and he does what God is telling him to do. And I believe for America... If we're going to see revival again, if we're going to see healing again, if we're going to see everyone come together again, especially Christian people, we must do the same things that Ezekiel did. Number one, if we're going to see revival in America, if we're going to see a renewed hope in America, the first thing we must be willing to do is speak truth by faith. Nothing happened until he spoke to the bones. Everybody say, speak to the bones. What does this mean and how does this apply to us? It's time we stand up. It's time we speak the truth. It's time we don't be afraid of what everybody thinks. We must speak to the bones. One of my favorite preachers is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He did more for this country and it bothers me when people hide things that he said and they, 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 they just adopt portions of his life and they don't really understand the message behind the man. But when he got filled with the Holy Ghost, he shares this in his message, why Jesus called a wise man a fool. And he'd been called and threatened that they were gonna kill his little girl and his family. And he speaks of being filled with the spirit and knowing God for himself. And he, he says that voice came in him and said, Martin Luther, Stand up for righteousness. Stand up for justice. Stand up for peace. And lo, I will be with you even until the end of the age. There's a time to stand up and speak out. And as Christians, I believe now is that time. What Supreme Court Clarence Thomas said just a week ago, he said, they were asking him about the people at his house and raving and throwing things at his house and chanting and all sorts of craziness. This wonderful accomplished man. And he said, look, north still north, south still south. Whether you're in a thunderstorm or in a desert, north still north, south still south. And he said, whether people are yelling at you, cursing at you, throwing things at you, right is still right and wrong is still wrong. We must speak up about the things of God, the oracles of God, the spirit of God, the truths of God's word. But we must not only speak with conviction, we must do what it says in Ephesians and in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached, we must learn to speak not only with conviction but with compassion. So many Christians saying horrible things the last really 20 years in these presidential elections to one another. Taking the Lord's name in vain on the public square and asking for the Christian vote and being okay with the Lord's name being taken in vain because it's your candidate. Right is still right. Wrong is still wrong. North is still north and south is still south. Speak with conviction, speak with compassion. Listen, you are not gonna change anyone's mind in this current culture being meaner than they are. 
you are not going to change anyone's mind by trying to be the meanest person in the room. And man, listen, I know you want to, and there are times I want to, and I'm not saying I haven't messed this up at times. I probably have, but I'm telling you, we must do what Jesus told us to do. Bless those that curse us. Pray for those who spitefully use us. Go the extra mile. Because I'm telling you, if we're going to see a renewed hope in this nation, it's about changing hearts. People's minds are made up. People's minds are made up. But Jesus can get in their heart. And I don't know about you, but this, oh boy, that's what I'm about till I die is connecting people with the king named Jesus that can still change their heart, their behavior, their attitude. He can put his spirit on the inside of them. He can change entire family lines to connect people with Jesus. We must speak with conviction. We must speak with compassion, but we must speak with Christ at the center of it all. America is in a dry valley and in a dark place First, because of our sins against one another, our hatred towards our fellow man. The fancy way to say this is racism, elitism, nat nativism, whatever you want to call it, but we've been at war with ourselves for far too long. We must learn to come together. America has lost its soul because of our silence in times of anarchy. Anarchy and destruction of property is wrong regardless of whose party's doing it. America has lost its soul first and foremost because of our sins against God. We've seen over 60 million babies murdered in the womb and I'm not here to beat you up. I believe we're to have compassion on people that have made that decision or young ladies who are struggling with that. If anything, we've been too judgmental and, and not redemptive enough to people who've, who've been through that. But I'm telling you, science cannot back up the fact that it is an extension of one person's body and that it is just a fetus. It has a heartbeat. It feels pain. Watch a video of an abortion. Friend, it's wrong. It's wrong. And our nation needs to repent. Separation of church and state is a myth. It is a myth. It's not in the Constitution. Jefferson's wall of separation was in a letter written to Danbury Baptist in Connecticut. The Second Amendment was written to keep people to keep government's nose out of the church's business, not the other way around. And we've been under this cloud of we can't relate the two. Now, I do think there are times where the church doesn't need to be in every single situation. If the church would preach the gospel and evangelize, we wouldn't have to fight all these battles. We've accepted radical Islam in parts of our country I'm amazed that homosexuals uh, and people who are for freedom 
and don't understand what radical Islam stands for. They hate homosexuals. They hate women. How can you vote or be for an organization that hates women and leaves them draped from head to toe? They're allowed to abuse their women and homosexuals? You don't even want to know what they'll do if you're gay. But we pretend like the radical segment of this religion is okay in this country. Our men and women didn't fight and die for that so that we could be submitted to Sharia law in parts of Michigan and other states. That's what we've got to speak up about. Anything that attacks our freedom our freedom to worship Jesus, serve Jesus, and do what God has called us to do, that's what we speak up about. Amen. Our media outlets are liars and one-sided in both parties. You can't watch the news anymore and believe anything on either, either side. Everything has a slant. Nobody knows what to believe. Sex and sin is being taught in the public schools as early as kindergarten. Pictures even. We called that abuse when I was growing up. We now worship this creation more than a creator. Listen, I'm for taking care of our ozone, I, I'm for doing what's right. I, I really believe we ought to leave things better than we found it. That might bother some of you, I really don't care. I believe we're supposed to be good stewards of everything God has given us. But if you read your Bible, you understand that no matter how good of stewards we are to this land, it will be destroyed. And a new heaven and a new earth, Revelation 21, will be its replacement. So you can go crazy with all this stuff you want. You can get your little battery-operated car. You know, you can eat green stuff. You can go green, do whatever you want. But because I'm a man of the word, understand that this is not our home. We'll rule and reign with Jesus in a new heaven, a new Jerusalem, a new earth. And this one will be destroyed by fire and a new one will take its place. And I don't know about you, but I got a mansion that waiting on me there. An abode, amen, a dwelling place. I've got a new body waiting on me there. I hope I want Dwayne the Rock Johnson's body when I get to heaven. That's the one I want, I've picked that one out. I'm telling you, we worship creation but not the creator, not El Elohim. We have a media that reports just parts of the story. Do you realize both white people, black people, and brown people, that there is money in racism? Do you realize that there are a lot of people that make their living off us hating one another? Why don't we put them out of business and start loving one another? 
I love what the wonderful actor Morgan Freeman said when Larry King asked him about it. He said, how do we defeat racism? Morgan Freeman said, stop talking about it. So that's what I'm gonna do. Freedom of speech is no longer welcome in this country unless a certain side believes with your speech. When I was growing up, it didn't matter if what you were saying is offensive. People fought for the freedom to say it. Now you can only say what the majority agrees with. There are a lot of things I don't like that people say in, in both major political parties. There's a lot of things I don't like. But I tell you, the thing that I do love is that in America, we have the freedom to say what we want. We should. Amen? And if you don't like it, I mean, nobody's forcing, you know, a Bose Bluetooth speaker down your ear to listen to rhetoric you don't agree with. Turn the channel if you don't agree with it. We must speak. Everybody say speak. speak. We must speak to number two, survive. I believe America can survive this valley. If you believe it, say amen. amen. If we speak to the bones, the bones can survive. But you can't just speak so others will listen. You have to speak by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Faith has the expectation that God is who he says he was and will do what he said he would do. So when you speak to the bones or when you speak to a nation or you speak to a family or you speak to a dry place, a dry valley, dead bones, you have to really believe that they can live again. So when you speak in your marketplace, you've got to believe God's word. You've got to believe that God wants what's best for our nation. So I answered, oh Lord God, you know, can these dry bones live? Can America survive? God knows. God knows what our destiny is. He said to me, prophesy to these bones. And say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Live. I say that prophetically. Live, America. Live. Fight on. Do what's right. Love your neighbor. Do what God has called you to do. The fact that bones were still in the valley indicates that the framework of what had been alive was still there. Amen. Even science says that DNA is still present in bones long after a person has passed away. So if DNA can survive, that means we can survive, amen? That means there's a recipe there for God to do a miracle. See, whenever things are looking grim and things are looking dark and things are looking like there's no hope, understand that a Christian has to not look at the issue but look up to heaven. And a Christian should have a higher perspective. Keep your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Set your mind on things above, Colossians would say, not on earthly things. So it may look dark right now. It, it may look dry right now. Oh, but there's a revival coming. Another thing I know about the valley is it was closed for business, but open for thieves. Reminds me of our great nation. 
my dear friend Wesley, who's leading the sound today, we've been trying to get his brother here from Costa Rica for over a year to come work and to help this church be what God's called it to be. And I can't get him here trying to come the legal way, but we're letting thousands of people we don't know come in the wrong way. How is that fair to those doing it right? How is it fair? For This is a nation of immigrants. We are open for everybody to come. I want everybody to come here. But why is it fair for those who really are doing it the right way, who've worked through visas, who have their process handled to be denied while others break our laws? It was closed for business but open for thieves. There was no life in the valley. It was open to decay and buzzards. Our open borders remind me of this valley, open to everything and anything. We've not only lost our physical borders, we've lost our spiritual borders. We've lost our hedge. We need a shaking. We need a change. We need revival. We need people to speak to the bones. We need people to make up their mind to survive in this season because once you speak, you've got to trust your instincts. And we must come together. In Isaiah 5, it talks about a vineyard. And I won't read all of Isaiah 5 to you this morning, but it talks about what happens if you don't care for the gift you've been given by God, if you don't take care of your vineyard. It says, so let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to remove its hedge, and it will be consumed, verse 5. I will break down its wall, and it will become trampled ground. I will lay it to waste. It will not be pruned nor hoed, but briars and thorns will come up. I will also command the clouds not to rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of armies is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his delightful plant. So he waited for justice, but behold, there was bloodshed for righteousness and a cry for help. The devil loves dry places. If you're dry in your spiritual walk, the enemy will come in to try to mess with your mind and mess with your spirit. Destitute, depressed, dry. That's why even in the life of David and Jonathan, Mephibosheth went to Lodabar, which means the dry place. He was in bondage and slavery till he got a call from the king. Let me tell you, Jesus wants to take you out of that which is dry and put you someplace that's got some fresh spirit on it, amen? Someplace where the waters are running, amen? Someplace where life means something again. The good news is, though, the framework of America, the bones are still there. The DNA is still there. Our great military is still here. Our first responders, our wonderful local leaders and servants. We've got the framework for revival. We've got some great churches and some kingdom pastors and leaders across this nation. Their framework's there for revival. Can America live is my question. Can these bones live? Everybody shout yes. yes. So what do we do finally? We must stand in the strength of the spirit of God. 
First, you gotta speak out. Then, you've gotta make up your mind to survive and come together. Then, after you've done all, Ephesians 6, stand. Stand in the strength of the Holy Spirit because this vision of resurrection wasn't final until the Spirit of God got involved. And my beloved evangelical friends, here, here's what I'm gonna tell you. I believe the Bible's still the Word of God, but I am spirit and truth. The Bible is just words if you don't blow no spirit on it. It needs spirit on it. Let me tell you, you ain't nothing but some dead, dry bones with no spirit in and on you. When you die, you become a bag of bones. When, why? Because you got no spirit in you. And I'm going to tell you, I believe we can have a little kingdom on earth, but you need a little spirit in you. Somebody say, I need some spirit in me. We speak to that which has lost its life. We speak to that which is in sin. We speak to that which is evil, and we stand up for righteousness. We stand up for peace. We stand up for justice. We stand up for the freedoms that men and women died for. We speak up. We make up our mind in the valley to come together, to stop hating one another, to begin to connect with other people, begin to get our feeling back in ourselves. And if we speak, we'll survive. But we must receive hope. And to do that, we must be moved by the Spirit of God. This is what it says. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and a rattling. The bones came together. And as they were coming together, skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Everybody say no spirit. Prophesied to the breast, done prophesied to the bones. Now we gotta get the spirit involved. Prophesied to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds. Oh breath and breathe on these slain that they may live. And then once the spirit got involved, they stood up on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Listen, I believe I'm looking today in an exceedingly great army. If you love Jesus and you believe America can live again, would you stand on your feet this July 4th weekend and just give God your greatest shout, your greatest spiritual shout? There will always be a noise and a shaking when God shows up. There'll always be a rattle as elevation worship sings. There'll always be a magnificent sound come when the spirit gets involved. Just like the day of Pentecost, sound of a mighty rushing wind, Acts chapter two, Jesus fulfilled his promise through the spirit when he came into that upper room and he filled them up. Listen, I believe God fills people up not to put a label on them, but to put power on them. You don't need a label. You need the power of God to do what he's called you to do. So I'm gonna ask our team to come down this morning. It's early, but it's not too early for God to touch you and shake you and give you a rattle or two. So before you leave, we want to make sure you get prayed for, that you connect with God, and most of all, you connect with Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Listen, as I said, God is not an American. We, many of us are Americans. In this room, many watching online aren't. 
He is the father of the fatherless and the protector of widows. He is Yeshua HaMashiach. He is our Savior. He died for the sins of humanity, the whole world. And if you don't know Jesus and you need power in your life, it starts with a relationship with him. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In Romans, if you confess with your mouth, you gotta speak to the bones, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, make up your mind to survive, that Christ Jesus was raised from the dead, then you shall be saved. Then your dry bones will live. So if you need Jesus, bow your head with me, Abba's house. If you need Jesus, Abba's house, help me. Just pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says you need to make a public decision. Even Jesus said, listen, if you'll not confess me in front of man, you won't confess me in front of people. I will not confess you in front of my Father. So it's just 1150. If you prayed that prayer in your minute, you ought to run down here. Tell one of these pastors, look, I just prayed to receive Jesus. I want to be baptized. I want to connect with Abba's house. I want to join this kingdom church that's here for everybody, every race, every creed, every political party. I'm not some mean-spirited person that says other people can't come in here. That's stupidity. How will they hear without a preacher is what my New Testament says. Why would you throw people out that need to hear the gospel? Some people are so stupid. YouTube preachers. Listen, this house is for everybody. I mean everybody. Every sinner, everybody's welcome here. If that's you, you come. I'll close with this quote and then I'm gonna pray. I believe with all my heart that standing up for America means standing up for the God who has so blessed our land. We need God's help to guide our nation through stormy seas, but we can't expect to protect America in a crisis if we just leave God over on the shelf in our day-to-day living. Ronald Reagan. Let's don't leave him on the shelf, Abba's house. Amen. Give God one more shout of praise. If you need ministry, you come as we worship.